the Dad's Right Season 3, Episode 14, which also happens to be our 50th episode, if you don't count that New Year's Eve thing we did. Good times, bad times. Do you want to go first there, Dill? You don't have much there, so. I do not. I guess it's been a slow week. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I just have a good time, which which is nice, but it, it kind of sparks from a bad time. I don't know. So there's a church in Alberta just west of Edmonton called Grace Life Church. And despite public health orders for weeks, if not months now, they've been holding full congregation services and, you know, defying social distancing orders or physical distancing orders and and all that kind of thing. Right. Similar to what you see a lot in the American South. Right. Is it, what, what, what denomination is the church? What flavor? I don't know. It just says Grace Life Church. Ha! I just, I opened up their website to see if that told me. Yeah. And said, and I just there's, it immediately opened up a public statement, and a line that jumps out is instead, what follows will shed light on our approach to what is being called a, and then in quotation mark, pandemic. <laughs> um, so that might be able to tell you. Yeah, I can't tell what uh, what what flavor this is. Oh, I, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Anyway. So it was defying public health orders. Then the Alberta Public Health Services went over um, really early one morning over this past week and erected a fence around the building when no, while nobody was inside and then locked it and, and left. So it's impossible to access the building. Oh, wow. Who did that? Alberta Health Services, the government. Oh, wow. They said that they tried, you know, they'd sent warnings and... And all that thing, they said nothing was working, so that's what they did. This says, church name, the senior lead pastor is James Coates. You can look at the church leadership, I don't care. Denomination, Calvinist slash Lordship Salvation Teachings. Preaching style, expository slash verse by verse. That's got to be exciting stuff. Verse by yeah. verse of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Membership requirements, yes. Financial transparency, no. That's surprising. Not. <laughs> yeah, having good times that they put up the fence, but I mean, it's unfortunate that it came to that. But I also think it's really funny. Uh, it's funny that they put pandemic in quotes. Like, yeah, what, what are they thinking? What do they think? What, what, what would they call it? I don't understand. You can think it's not as deadly, but that doesn't. You can have a pandemic of something that isn't deadly, a worldwide disease where everybody gets sick but nobody dies. Like, that's possible. It's not yeah. this, but can't you? Pandemic doesn't necessarily mean a bunch of people are dying, but there are a bunch of people dying. But it's a worldwide, like, I don't understand. What, what part don't they believe? The that, reason we put pandemic in quotes is because the definition of a pandemic was changed about 10 years ago. At one time, a pandemic was defined as an infectious disease that resulted in a certain percentage of excess deaths over and above normal annual averages. The definition was changed in connection with H1N1 to remove this threshold. Ten years ago, COVID-19 would not have qualified as a pandemic. In fact, not even close. Huh. Well, there you go. 
I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I think they would write it if it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah. The, um... I don't know. I feel like there is certainly above global norms, so it seems like it would still qualify to me. I don't know what they mean by global norms. Yeah, I don't know. It's all nonsense. Anyway, they've been shut down. Um, I mean, it's still a bit going on. There were gatherings outside, and those had to be broken up, but I'm just ha- glad when the government here takes anything seriously. Yeah, especially uh, their base. Yeah. But that's all I have. Uh, others, you know others claim that the definition others claim that the definition was never changed, and that and that this allegation is completely unfounded. The fact that despite ten years of pandemic preparedness activities, no formal definition of pandemic influenza has been formulated. Blah blah blah. Anyway, it didn't really change, according to Google. Or huh. or well, it's it's in dispute whether it changed or not, according to Google. Somehow, I don't know. I don't buy it. You don't buy Google. Anyway, what do you got? You don't buy Google. I don't buy that it changed, or I don't know. It seems like a weak argument. Yeah, I mean, the, well, the other thing is definitions just change as we learn more. So, yeah, yeah. even if it did change, who cares? <laughs> ten years ago, it changed. Yeah, well, ten years ago, you couldn't say irregardless. What's your point? <laughs> I did. Uh, I did my first COVID test. You you just did your first. I've had like three. Yeah, yeah. My first one. I I was trying to avoid them because I don't like getting things stuck up my nose. Like I really, bo- I think I that that whole does. that whole ear nose throat thing. I feel like I'm more sensitive than a lot of people. But I gotta say, it was nothing. Literally yes. nothing. It was it's not nothing. It's a tiny, tiny. I was expecting like a Q-tip jammed up my nose, and it's a tiny, tiny, tiny thing. That, I mean, it's the top of your nose, but it doesn't. It's not past. It's not like they're jamming it up there. Maybe they've updated it since mine, but they jammed a Q-tip up my nose. <laughs> <laughs> so, What's I it think a- you just had like a newer, more modern test. Maybe I had a Q-tip jammed up my nose. <laughs> That's exactly what I didn't want to happen, so I'm glad it didn't for me. No, it was yeah. like, it was almost like, you know those things that you, those picks that you could floss your teeth with? Yeah. It, it was like one of those, and it, like, he said, tilt your head way back, so I did, and he went, like, up there. He was up there for 10 seconds, but it it, it didn't hurt at all, at all. Like, it just felt a little bit uncomfortable, but not bad at all, and, like, no no zero pain and then i said that was nothing i was worried about this it was nothing that was dead easy and he's like well if you want i can do it again poorly so it hurts i'm like no we're good <laughs> but yeah you got so, lucky yeah i guess i got a good doctor i don't know anyway the, the a bit of a funny i won't say where i got it so that they don't get in trouble because just in case one of our listeners because uh, because overall they're you know they're volunteering they're doing good work they're they're trying their best but but the day before my covid test i got an email from them with my name on it stating that my test results were negative and i could go back to work and the test date was march 31st when i wasn't even in the province so so they they gave you a negative before you had your test? 
yeah, days, yeah, the day before, and they said I got tested March 31st when I was not in Ontario. That's weird. Yeah, so I, I just emailed them back. I said, listen, this, I don't know what this is, but it's not me. <laughs> but my, I mean, my name was in it and it came to my email. And then they. Some poor sucker's still waiting for his negative. Then they called me back and uh, apologized, I think. It was really noisy there. I could barely hear what she was saying, but. I think they just didn't want me to get in touch with the media because uh, because it's it's really that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> like is. you should not be giving out negative test results to people that have not taken a test. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look good, eh? No, it's a bad look. It is. It really is. Moving on. Wow. I mean, good times. I look at it. It's strictly my point of view so you know it's not this isn't a good time for everybody but it looks like all is not well in the republican party oh no trump was speaking to a gathering of republicans and i think i don't know if it is but i i I think i believe you know how when you have a a lot of ravens it's called a or a lot of crows it's a murder of crows yeah nouns of assemblage right i think it should be a hypocrisy of republicans yeah that works isn't it? That's good, right? Yeah. That is, I think that's what we need to, from now on, you and I, that we're starting a movement. A gathering of Republicans is a hypocrisy of Republicans. <laughs> All right. We'll see if, we'll see if it can catch on. Is, uh, how, if that's going to be that, then uh, a gathering of Democrats should be called the disappointment. <laughs> that's good too. Yes. <laughs> Which uh, has some nice alliteration to it. A dis- disappointment of Democrats. Yes. Anyway, so Trump was speaking to a hypocrisy of Republicans and reportedly called uh, Mitch McConnell a dumb son of a bitch. Also said that he hired his wife and he didn't even say thank you. (laughs) So, I mean, a couple things. I mean, obviously, the dumb son of a bitch thing. Okay, we know Mitch must have said something that didn't honor him enough while he was president. So that's where that comes from. But he hired his wife and didn't say thank you. Well, if you hire the best person for the job, then it doesn't matter whether it's his wife or not, and he shouldn't have to say thank you. If you hired her because she's his wife, then you probably shouldn't have been president. Yeah, that's why he shouldn't have been president. But I'm just saying that's, that is, you shouldn't, thank you is never required for that sort of thing. Because if it is, (laughs) then that implies nepotism, right? In the Trump White House? Mm-mm. <laughs> Not under his special advisors, Ivanka Trump's watch. <laughs> was there anybody? His, um, was there anybody that wasn't hired because of nepotism? Kellyanne Conway, maybe. Maybe that. Maybe that Louis DeJoy or whatever the Postmasters guy is. Oh yeah, the guy they can't get rid of. Yeah, yeah, they literally can't because it's not yeah. in their purview to to fire him. Nope. Unfortunately not. They just have to kneecap them or something. I honestly think they might just need to scrap the U.S. Postal Service and start from scratch again. Well, they don't even need to start from scratch. They just scrap it and start over with exactly what they have, but a different guy on top. Yeah. Well, bad times. Moving on. Russia is testing some super missile while building up military forces in the north. 
Now, the, what, what, what the article suggested was they're doing this for, uh, so that they'll have access to the trade routes when the ice melts. So I don't know how invested they are in climate change. <laughs> I think they're all up there spraying out aerosols, <laughs> trying to get this new trade route through, and they'll be the ones <laughs> defending it. No, with Vladimir Putin's flair for the dramatics and you know evil megalomaniac thing, he probably has some sort of space laser that he's going to aim. Space like, laser. Sort of, yeah, exactly. Some sort of Doctor Evil esque plot that's going to melt the ice caps. Super rich. Yeah. Didn't they just do more denuking? And do they need to be testing super missiles? Some crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Also, I just read somewhere, and I'm, I'm just remembering something, that Russia just passed a rule that made it so that Putin could serve till he's 83. It's an odd age. I didn't think they picked, hey, you can serve till you're 83. I think it's just like about extended terms, and that's how old he would be by the time it reaches. Oh, okay. But, but it, that's, like, that's like 20 years. He could be in charge until I'm in my 40s. Is he only 63? He's not that old. Wow. You know, every time I see something like this, I'm just like... Listen, I'm not... He's 68. Mm. I'm like, listen, I'm not really for killing people, but are assassinations still a thing? Like, could we send in James Bond or something? Because this really... This guy just needs to go away. Well, Russia does assassinations all the time. He, yeah, but Putin, not of like... Putin poisons people all the time. The one challenger he has, he poisoned. <laughs> and there was one a few years ago he poisoned again. Yeah. We need... We need somebody like maybe the Israelis. They they have a pretty morally questionable government already, <laughs> and a pretty good spy agency. Send send in the Israelis to take out Putin. Well, moving on from a global government sponsored assassinations, China's cyber regulator has. Wait, launched... I said moving on from sponsored assassinations. Yes. And you went to China. <laughs> well, this isn't about assassinations. And it, there's censor. Cyber regulator has sponsored a hotline to report online comments that defame the ruling Communist Party in its history, vowing to crack down on historical nihilists ahead of the party's 100th, 100th anniversary in July. And that seems bad. Can you imagine Trudeau doing something like that? We're gonna we're gonna arrest people that say things bad about the liberal government. They don't have enough jails. There wouldn't be anybody left in Alberta. <laughs> Alberta's Alberta is a prison. It's like Australia. Yeah. Instead of arresting anybody <laughs> here, just, they just, just build walls, walls around the province. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they, like, just so you know, you're all in jail. They now. let Rachel Notley out, and the rest of us are stuck in there. Yeah. And she's probably said something bad about the liberals. Everybody's in jail. Yeah. And Tucker Carlson, who John Oliver did a bit on about how racist he is, but normally he does it quite subtly. This was a little less subtle. He was talking about immigration and why the Democrats want immigration. And he said, quote, I mean, everyone's making a racial issue out of it. Oh, the, you know, white replacement. No, no. This is a voting rights question. Saying changes to the population... That was the end of quote. He's saying changes to the population dilute the political power of current registered voters. 
which raises the question, why should current registered voters have more say than new registered voters? Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. A vote's yeah, a vote. Yeah. The only reason you'd say, I want current registered voters to have more power is because most of them right now are white. So let's just keep it that way. Yeah. You know, I watch a lot of videos that really, like, break down American politics and trends in American politics. And Republicans either are or should be very scared right now, like Tucker Carlson, because the only voting group that goes majority for Republicans all the time is white people. And right now in America, white people make up the majority of the voting base. But in current trends, within 10 years, they will no longer be the majority. Minorities will be the majority. Yeah, but that's okay, because by then, Tucker will have made it so that white people get uh, at least one vote for every year you've been in the country. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. I think, though, it's going to be very interesting now, because of the way it's set up, that we're going to see a political realignment in some of the parties as a wing of the Democratic Party goes further to the left and the majority of the Republican Party goes further to the right, I think what will happen is that the Democrats will, not immediately, like this isn't going to start right now, but within, you know, the coming 10, 20 years, the Democrats will start like on a winning streak, on like how they did with FDR where they were, you know, they win eight out of every... 10 elections when you include midterms and stuff and they're just like constantly in power which will push the republicans closer to the center and the democrats further to the left that's what i think will happen eventually but not for a while yeah i don't know i do do you think there's any chance of of, uh like a couple of splinter cells like you end up with three parties where you have the right republicans the center republicans and the and the center democrats sort of join and then you have the left democrats making their own party maybe but that would require like a big change in in the american mindset like especially within politicians like to deal with three parties they've had a two-party system pretty much since lincoln well since lincoln they've had the democrat republican two-party system but even before that like they've had a two-party system really for the majority of their history, so whenever like there's splinter groups, it always just somehow coalesces again into two parties. I think if that were to happen, that they they might exist, you know, with with the right-wing Republicans maybe carrying a few states every once in a while um, to the detriment of the centrist uh, Republican Democrats. Um, but eventually the right-wing Republicans would be forced to irrelevancy and it would come down to the left-wing Democrats and the more centrist party. And then it just goes in the cycle again. Yeah. They are stuck in a vicious cycle as long as they have the Electoral College. If they get rid of the Electoral College, then they have a chance of breaking it. But right now, it's just they've built a two-party system. That's how, they're, that's how the Electoral College works. Yeah, I don't know. The, getting rid of the Electoral College won't help them break it. I think it will because it will just, it, it will make it more like how we have, which um, is not much better than the two-party system, but it allows you more of, uh, 
like somebody, people in deep red or deep blue states who aren't deep red or deep blue will feel that they have more of a say and and you will be able to speak to more sectionalized uh, smaller areas instead of having to just like aim for whole states or or aim for just specific states yeah i mean who knows it's none of it's going to happen anytime soon anyway no no this is a long way down the road if it happens at all who knows maybe the republican party will manage to recover but they are still pretty loyal to trump which is you know normally you're not really that loyal to the guy who just lost yeah i don't i don't quite get it either like he must have pictures of everybody doing bad things yeah he lost you know move on the thing yeah the thing is though in fairness he republicans do even if he loses republicans down the ballot like senate and house wise do better when donald trump is on the ballot which is why the democrats did better in the midterms than they did in the 2018 midterms than they did in the 2020 election in the house mm. we're drifting into political here yes we are we, I, I i realized we weren't i <laughs> I'd forgotten we were still in good times, bad times. There's a kind of hush all over the world. Tonight, all over the world. All right, all over the world. Let's talk about Trump some more. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. We weren't even, it wasn't even like we were one away from political. <laughs> There's still a whole other section. In Myanmar, which, again, one of our weekly topics it seems 700 section on Myanmar 700 civilian protesters are now dead Uh, I'm wondering has anybody heard from that York University professor yet again (laughs) he's like they're just they're just trying to skip exams it's all of them (laughs) moving on in Egypt they've found a lost city of gold which to me is super cool because you think by 2021 all the golden cities would have been found yeah like uh you wouldn't think there's much more finding left to do with things like that no exactly this is crazy uh yeah nuts i don't understand my next point so i'm gonna skip it (laughs) yeah i didn't understand it either i was reading it and i was like how is that at all related to the egypt (laughs) i think there was an i think i deleted something that goes before that and i don't remember what it was oh i oh i do remember what it was so they've discovered in chicago they discovered a new what they believe to be a new particle it isn't 100 percent proven yet but this lab was smashing atoms and they found something that they are calling a a muon because the the rotation of the atoms that they smashed or something wasn't big as what they thought and these things uh seem to be electrical in some way and only exist for like a fraction of a second and then turn back into electrons and then into atoms and they're saying this is maybe going back to the big bang how we went from energy to matter that's neat it is pretty cool and then they were all saying like dark matter and dark energy make up 95 just saying like you know we're still very much 
in infancy of understanding this sort of thing, uh, dark matter and dark energy make up 95% of the universe, and we don't understand it at all. Yeah. And we all know in Rio de Janeiro, they have that big statue of Jesus, you know, Christ the Redeemer. Yeah, he looks like he's about to make the biggest clap the world has ever seen. The city of Encantado in southern Brazil is not to be outdone and is building a statue of Jesus bigger than Christ the Redeemer called Christ the Protector. Uh, It'll be 43 meters tall and 36 meters from hand to hand, as well as having an interior elevator and observation deck near the top. And I just can't get over just sort of how unreligious this whole thing seems. Yeah, Christ the Redeemer seems way more religious. Yeah, this seems like, well, we want a big Jesus too, which is totally yeah. like, you know, jealousy. Isn't that a, isn't that one of the deadly sins or something? Like, isn't that, isn't that like... Envy. Envy is one, of the, one yeah. of the seven deadly sins, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then, how do we make the Jesus even more commercial? Well, let's put an elevator in him and you can go up to the top and yeah. maybe, what, look at his eye? Like, what are you, yeah. what are you going up to the, What? You can have a gift shop up there. What are you? What is going on? What are they doing in Brazil? Come on, people. Here's here's why I think Christ the Redeemer is still more impressive. First of all, I think Redeemer is better than Protector. I don't know. There's something more loving about Redeemer. I don't know. Like more hopeful than Redeemer about Redeemer than right. Protector. But anyway, Christ the Redeemer was sculpted in 1931. It was much harder to do that kind of thing back then than it is now. So to do it now, that, that that's not impressive. Everything they're doing just seems to be wrong. I just can't believe, like, yeah. where do you get on the yeah. elevator? Like, up the rectum? Like, you, <laughs> it just doesn't seem, nothing seems right there. Nothing seems right. You go in his big toe? Original. Like, what's going on? It doesn't work. Yeah. It's also not original or new. Like, it's a copycat idea. You're just blowing it up a bit. Yeah. No, exactly. I'm with you. It's a, it's a, it's a bad plan. Yeah, it Boo is. Ooh, and can't addo, and can't addo, whatever the hell the city is. Come on. <laughs> Do better. I mean, it's, it's being done. It's too late. They've already put the head on. They have? I think so, yeah. That was what this article was. Like, it's got, no, they put the arms on, I think, or one arm on or something. I think the head's on, too. It- they're literally it's the same shape. It's the same it's the same statue, it's just they hit copy but blow up, you know? hundred and twenty percent of the size. Yeah. You went from standard size paper to A four. Yeah. No, there's 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 zero original thought and then they made it much, much worse on top of that. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure the original one doesn't have an elevator. Probably not. Like, if I were to guess. Anyway, that's all I got. Over to you. I think it's also made out of soapstone, whereas this looks like it's mostly hollow. Yeah, it's... Well, you have to be hollow if you're putting an elevator up the middle. Yeah. So, uh, just all around, not not impressive. You failed. You failed that city. Anywho, yes. For me, you last week you were talking about troubles in Northern Ireland. Well, they have continued... And there have been violent clashes between Catholic nationalists in the Republic of Ireland and Protestant Unionists in Northern Ireland. They must be happy to be back at it again. Yeah. 
like it's been too long. There's like, like, you know, 50 year olds throwing Molotovs at the police going, ah, memories. (laughs) It's good to be back. It's good to be back. That's right. (laughs) Like a Catholic nationalist and a Protestant cop, like beating each other up. Like it's good to be back at it. eh?" (laughs) Having pleasant conversation. Hey, Seamus. Um, Great to see you. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah um so yeah laugh 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 55 police officers were injured and um the clashing crowds included children as young as 12 gotta get them started young (laughs) yeah how are they gonna carry it with them throughout their lives if they don't care at 12 yeah exactly how do they know to hate uh, protestants or catholics they wouldn't you have to teach them early this particular clash that I was reading about came out of a town where, like, there's a wall across the middle of it. The Catholics live on the northern or the south south side in Ireland, and the Protestants live on the north side. It's it's like you're building your country for later conflict, yeah. <laughs> or a big game of uh, what's that game where you toss a ball over the wall and have to what's that? I don't know. I, we played it in school. I can't remember what it was called. It might have been no, called you- it might have been called wall ball. <laughs> We didn't have a lot of good names back in the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But I mean, listen, the British government was saying, calm down. But everyone was telling you this was going to happen if you didn't solve this problem before you left the European Union. And you didn't solve the problem. And then you left the European Union. So... Don't be surprised that this is happening. Yeah, although I gotta say, if it's if it's now, you, you wouldn't think it was necessarily Catholics fighting Protestants if it was just about the EU. I mean, it is. It, it's. It's not just about the EU. It's about we haven't fought in thirty years. No, it's not just about the EU, but but the EU made all the other problems less manageable. You know. Yeah. yeah. Because, and it's not just about religion, right? Like, the the crux of it, what it really is, is that the... Um, the Protestants don't like the Catholics and vice versa. Well, no, it's, it's that the British crown is Protestant, and it's a Protestant country. And so the Catholic Irish always felt like second-class citizens not properly represented. That was, that was where the nationalism part of it came from. So it does come down to religion, but it's not, you know, I hate you because of your your Protestant. It's complicated, but but historically the Protestants are more nationalist because or sorry, the Catholic are more nationalist because the British crown is Protestant. And so they want to be their own country. And when they were all in the EU and there was no hard borders and free trade, it all felt like one country, you know? They're all on the same island. You can just walk over Northern Ireland, go back down to yeah. Republic of Ireland. It felt like one country. Now it doesn't. Now the Catholics who live in Northern Ireland are feel trapped. Protestants who live in... Well, I doubt there's many Protestants in Republic of Ireland. Anyway, it's complicated. We'll see what happens. Moving on, another story about Myanmar. So Myanmar's ambassador to the UK was locked out of the embassy because he came out against the military coup in, the, in Myanmar and called for the release of the president of the country. And so the deputy ambassador 
locked him out and had like a mini coup within the embassy and took over the embassy complex. So that's unfortunate. That's why you shouldn't leave without your key. Yeah, exactly. Let me in. But you know, it's um, I'm I'm glad he took a stand. Yeah, absolutely. No, good for him. He's with the people, Unfor- which seems to be the right side. I mean, they were the ones that voted the government in. Yeah, that kind of job. You serve the government, and the military is not a legitimate government. Everything, everything with you and me was so political. Well, I just have one, and and it's that Prince Philip passed away. So it's uh, I, he was a, he was an older guy, ninety nine years old. You don't get many people, you know. That's that is yeah. well beyond the life expectancy. But you know what? It helps when you get access to the best health care in the country and don't have to work and don't have to uh, vacuum. Yeah, like when you no literally... stress about money. He had, a, I'm sure he had other stresses. Like I don't want to belittle his stress level. You know, it helps your life expectancy when you live in a palace with servants. Probably, I'm thinking. Yeah, I was sad to hear that he died, only because I thought it would be cool if he lived to 100. Yeah, yeah, it would have been cool. It's cool when people make it to triple digits. You know? Yeah, absolutely you hit double digits at 10 and you're like yeah and then there's no feeling like that ever again you're double digits for pretty much the rest of your life yeah you don't add another digit for a long time yeah, they should change that <laughs> it is not proportional just go to roman numerals you're adding new digits all, all the time, time. <laughs> that's right all the time how old are you xxixvxixx yeah but then you know it's funny because you also lose digits occasionally this is true like 39 is 9 to 10 yeah yeah, but like, but 49 to 50. once you get high. Yeah, 49 to 50, 99 to 100. Yeah, yeah, you go from L, X, X. Oh, no, no. 99 is X, C, I, X. And then you go to C. But yeah, anyway, not an important conversation. <laughs> but you, it's the opposite of, of you lose. You lose instead of with regular numbers you gain. Oh, yeah. Regular numbers. <laughs> yeah. Over so to you. That's, that's, uh, I, I, it's unfortunate for the Queen. That's got to be rough. Yeah, uh, they've been together a long time. Yeah. Anywho, I'll, I have a few. Biden announced more gun control measures in the United States and more background checks and making it easier for states to do red flag laws and more control on ghost guns, which is like, Guns you can make at home, which is perfectly legal in the United States. You can just make a gun and you don't have to register it or put a serial number on it or anything like that. And made new laws about how when you put something on a pistol that makes it more like a rifle, it counts as a rifle. Yeah, that was, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel that said, how come that, like, how is that not already law? That's obvious. It's like if you put a Peloton on top of a minivan, you can't enter the Tour de France. Tour de France. Stephen Colbert. Oh, that was Stephen Colbert? Yeah, because yeah, I saw that. But yeah, and that's the thing. I'm looking at these. I'm looking at what he said, and I'm like, okay, great. Still not enough. And like, I look at these things, and I'm like, why didn't you have this already? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, you do. It is. Uh, 
You do have, probably have to take baby steps, I think. Because the NRA has so much power. I mean, it's that. It's the Republican governors. It's the Second Amendment. I mean, this it's a, is... It's a bad interpretation of the Second Amendment. Yes. But this is, I think, the critical flaw in federalist systems where you have like a, a middleman government like states or provinces and stuff like that where you know dem- i was thinking about this earlier today democracy is slow because it has to be because when you start ripping things through that's when you start going towards authoritarianism when you get sort of like very flawed bills you need democracy needs to be to a degree necessarily slow so that there is time for people to say hey this is really bad we need to stop this but when you set it up so that it's already slow and then you put things in the constitution and then you make it so that your government has to agree to do the constitution and so does to change the constitution and so does the population and so does, at the very least, a majority of all your state provincial governments. Like, you're just never going to be able to make some meaningful change that will actually help people. Not when it's constitutional. Yeah. But yeah, it, exactly. It, Which it is should be hard to change the Constitution. No, that's right. It should be. It shouldn't be super easy to change the Constitution. But I think it needs to be easier than it is. Because right now, you're never going to get meaningful gun control in the United States because... Yeah, you elect That's not a the, president who says, I believe in gun control, but then you have, you know, 27 to 30 Republican governors who say, I don't. You don't and need a... Like, but you don't need to... You don't need to change the Constitution. You need to change the Supreme Court and get them to rule that the Second Amendment doesn't mean every Tom, Dick, and Harry can own a automatic weapon. Yeah, but that's, again, another entirely dif- different, difficult thing. Difficult, but a lot easier. I mean, it says a well-regulated militia. Yeah, well-regulated is right in the thing. It doesn't say an unregulated militia. Yeah. It says a well-regulated. So if, if the militia is going to be well-regulated, why aren't the rest of this? Why isn't the rest of the country? Yeah. Anyway. It's, uh... They just anyway. like their guns too much, so you're not going to... They do. And then, anyway... But, and that's the bottom all... line. The bottom line is, the biggest, the biggest stopping point is, but I don't want to. Yeah, and that's about, you know, half the American population. Yeah. That's like, that's a Jim Jeffries bit, isn't it? I think it might be, yeah. He's like, there's only one argument for gun owners that nobody can defeat. And that argument is, but I like guns. Yes. And I don't think it's a very good argument, but I will admit, I have no way to counter it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my last thing for American politics, and this is this, off the top, this doesn't seem like an important story, but it's kind of interesting. Donald Trump endorsed Wisconsin Senator, Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson for re-election. Now, Ron Johnson, um, despite being from, you know, a mostly Democratic state that voted for Trump by a very narrow margin in 2016, Ron Johnson is a big Trump senator, so it's not surprising that Donald Trump endorsed him. However, he endorsed him despite the fact that Ron Johnson said he might not run again. (laughs) And... He's kind of interesting because, you know, obviously right now in the, in the U.S. it's a 50-50 Senate and the incumbency factor is not to be ignored. So it, when, when Ron Johnson, he was first elected in 2010 and then in 2016, he said, if you elect me for a second term, I won't run for a third term. 
So he got elected again. And then he said, well, I might run again. And then he said, I'm leaning towards retirement. But when I made that promise, it was under the assumption that the Democrats wouldn't have a trifecta government. So and then he's in Wisconsin. So that's like, you know, a swing state. So Democrats see that as a seat they can pick up. And if you remove the incumbency factor, it's always easier to pick up a seat when you take away the incumbent. Yeah. Which it always is. Yeah. So the Republican Party and Donald Trump included are trying to pressure him to run because they're worried about losing the seat if he doesn't. And that's where that comes. And they're kind of worried across the board because right now there are five with a potentially two more expected Republican retirements, like not running for re-election in 2022. And one of them is already out of Pennsylvania, which the Democrats could pick up. And then if you get with Wisconsin and then North Carolina, which the Democrats could pick up and uh, Missouri, which is a deep red state. But 2016, where Trump won Missouri by like over 10 points, the Republican senator only won there by three points. Like on the Senate level, it, it can get close. So, so, you know, if and I'm not saying a Democrat might win Missouri, but, you know, if the Republicans are then forced to funnel money to secure a seat in Missouri, they're not funneling money to win Pennsylvania or Wisconsin or pick up Arizona or Georgia. You know, every race that they have to put money towards is another race that they're not putting money towards. Every race they have to defend is money they're not putting towards making a game. So that's why people are saying that Donald Trump endorsed him before he said he was going to run because the Republicans are scared that they're not going to be able to take the Senate in the midterms. Right. There's only one Democrat who is said who might retire, and that is Patrick Leahy out of Vermont, who's like 78. And they're like, please, God, man, retire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, well, so we'll see. I I just thought that was interesting how, you know. Yeah. Trying to force him into running again. Yeah, because, you know, despite the fact that midterms generally don't go well for the president's party, it's also not looking too great for the GOP right now. Maybe nobody will vote. (laughs) Just 0% voter turnout. (laughs) Now, of course, I say right now, we are two years away. Lots of time for things to change. Oh, yeah. Lots of time. But it's interesting. The Liberal Party just had their national convention where delegates voted to adopt a policy to implement a permanent universal basic income, similar to the CERB in Canada, to implement and draft a Green New Deal, and to implement a national... Yeah, right, honestly. And to... Especially Green New Deal. Like, that is a specific reference to an American policy, like Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal during the Great Great Depression. Come up with a Canadian thing. And, Don't just and, adopt. And, and AOC's policy called the Green New Deal. Yes, 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 exactly. Which is the reference to an American yeah. thing. Yeah, like come up with your own thing. Yeah, absolutely. And they voted to adopt a national pharmacare program. Now, I'm going to pause here for a moment before we move on to my next point to talk about those. I'll be clear. I support all of those things. I do. So when I criticize these, it is not on the basis that I think they are bad policies. Green New Deal, first of all, plagiarism. And secondly... <laughs> super vague and not specific you could write out something called the green new deal and it could be like give oil companies millions of dollars but you've titled it the green new deal you know like exactly yeah. that is not specific you and just use then, green uh, ink to write it yeah 
And then PharmaCare, they say implement a PharmaCare program. Great. Implement a PharmaCare program was adopted by the liberals in 96, and they still haven't done it. Yeah, so was um, election reform. Yeah, that was 92 even. Yeah. Like, and they haven't done it. It's like when the, like, Coke saying they're going to reduce their plastic by so much by whatever year, and then it's like, yeah. Exactly. So I look at these these liberal delegates who are voting for this and the people who wrote it and proposed it, and I'm like, learn your history. This is not the party that's going to do this. It's like I was saying last week. If you believe this, go to the NDP. They'll probably do it because they've been talking about it for decades more. Yeah, it's the ridiculous to say we're going to have a Green New Deal. That's not a thing. That's nothing. That, yeah. is, that is literally nothing. If that's all that they voted for... That is lit. That is literally nothing. Yeah, yeah. And and pharmacare. And I will extend this to UBI. There's no reason to believe that the liberals will actually do this. They talk about it to get votes, and then they don't do it. And anybody who knows their history should know that. I honestly think that at least a third of the liberal party's support. Not like their MPs, but their support, their base, are new Democrats who are being duped. <laughs> I just have to believe that. And then I thought it was funny because the Liberal Party delegate rejected a capital gains tax hike and adopting an inheritance tax, which I thought was funny because we're going to adopt all these expensive policies, but not have any plan to pay for it. I mean, capital gains... I guess after a certain point, you can increase them in that. I, I've never liked inheritance tax. That money's been taxed. You've already taken your tax on that money. You don't get to tax stuff twice. Yeah. I um, The NDP were, are considering a proposal. They, they tried to have their convention, but they had a lot of technical errors, and so they just quit and decided to do it. Try again later. That's um, awful. <laughs> that is awful. Yeah, um, we couldn't quite pull off a convention, but we we think we could run the country. <laughs> Honestly, give us a shot. I know, um, but uh, <laughs> so, um, so bad. You have to do that right. It can't. That can't happen. Oh yeah, the poor NDP. They try so hard, and like I don't think they do. Hire <laughs> uh, an IT guy. <laughs> um, Jasmine, anyway. did you bring the converter? Did you bring the USB-C to USB-A converter? No, I don't, I don't bring it. Did you bring it? I don't have it. Ah, oh, crap. No convention. <laughs> but anyway, so when they have their convention, um, they're considering a lot of radical com uh, proposals. Because, I mean, they have like a very left-wing uh, wing of their party. And two of their proposals that they're considering, neither of which I agree with, is pulling out of NATO and abolishing the military. Yeah, those are both bad ideas. Yeah. Now, in fairness to everybody, all parties have their crazy, wacko proposals that somehow make it on. Like, these are not going to be adopted. Right. Like, oh, okay. They aren't. Right, because they didn't have the convention, so they didn't have time to adopt <laughs> But even when they do, they're not going to be adopted. They're just not. So don't think that that's the direction the NDP is going. It's not. It's a fringe part of the party. 
that's not what's going to happen. But what I thought was funny is I saw a National Post article about this where um, the the people were talking about like these anti-war wing of the party that was supporting that. And he kept referring anti-war in like such a condescending way. And I was like, I don't I, like I disagree with what these NEP people are proposing, but I don't think it's a bad thing to be anti-war. Yeah. Like, why are you saying anti-war like yes. like you're saying, you know, anti-food or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Even if I don't agree with the steps taken, I appreciate that they're anti-war. I don't want anybody to be pro-war. Yeah. Is there <laughs> any, Yeah, other than, you know, a few countries. I think most people are anti-war. Yeah, exactly. Another thing they're considering, which I agree with in principle, but I wouldn't vote for it because it's not feasible, is a 100% tax on every dollar you earn above a billion dollars so you can't be a billionaire. Right. Which I agree with in principle because you don't need to be a billionaire. No one needs to be a billionaire. You can live a very comfortable life with all the most expensive things in the world without being a billionaire. Like, that's too much money. That could be going to solve some major problems. But the problem is, the reason I wouldn't vote for it is that you implement that but the thing about billionaires is they're billionaires. Moving is not an issue, and they will just leave. Yeah. Like, you want to put, like, a 50% tax? You want to, like, even up to, like, a 70 I bet you even then they wouldn't all just leave. But 100%, they're all just going to leave. Yeah. Because and they can afford it because they're billionaires. The other thing is, and the, other, the thing I'm sort of really leaning towards, and I think this was, like, an FDR thing, was put super high tax rates... On, 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 you know, once you're up into those heavy, heavy income, like, you know, a billion dollars or whatever, but, mm. but make it so that investments in jobs and, and the country can, can be deductions. Yeah. Right. I've always, I agree. And do and the I've same thing with up. companies. Do the same thing with companies. Like after, let them make $500 million and then after $500 million, it gets taxed at 90% unless you build another factory and then that's tax deductible from there. Unless you hire workers and then that's tax deductible from there. Because they'd rather yeah. put it into their own company than, than pay the government. And yeah, that absolutely. is something that will... And I think, it was, I think it was FDR that did that. And it's a Probably. good idea. Was, it's a good idea. He's a smart guy. It is a good idea. I think you could take the same approach to um, decarbonizing the economy. Like... You know, make things like lowering your emissions tax deductible, like everything you do to help lower your emissions to the point where, like, if you're producing zero emissions, your corporate tax rate is like halved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad idea, except for you need the money at some point. Like if it's if it's if they get to keep that money and they aren't investing it in some sort of something that 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 would save. I guess it I guess that would save the government money. In the long term, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, and and and, and you know, part of the part about half might be too much, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Economy is investing in new green jobs. Yeah, no, that's and I'm 100 percent behind that. New green jobs, yeah. tax deductible, absolutely. Yeah, that's where the Green Party gets a bad rap, and they're trying really hard to like get around this. Is um, you know the conservatives and liberals are like, oh, they're against oil workers, and they're like. We love oil workers, and they're essential to our recovery plans. We don't love oil and gas companies. We love oil and gas workers, though. Yeah. 
Anyway, two very specific Alberta politics. Nahid Nenshi, who is currently the mayor of Calgary, a controversial figure in Calgary, which is, you know, a pretty conservative city, but he is a pretty center-left kind of guy, is not running again after three terms, which is, you know, leaves an opening for a pretty conservative person to, to run as and to get as mayor. This comes off of Don Iveson in Edmonton also not running for re-election. He's also a, a more left-wing, kind of center-left guy, which is much less surprising in Edmonton than it is in Calgary. So both these big figures not running again, and uh, both of them being, like, you know, two of the biggest stalwarts against the UCP and the Jason Kenney's government. You know, it's thrown the local politics in Alberta a little bit th- through a hoop because it's, it's going to be so much change at lunch. But a lot of people are speculating that they might make runs for the federal liberals if a snap election is coming up, which seems likely in the fall, or specifically with Nancy, who is always very friendly with Notley, might make a run for the local NDP or the provincial NDP, which would help them pick up a seat in, in Calgary or a seat or two in Calgary. Why do people think elections coming up? Because the liberals have ramped up their fundraising efforts and are nominating candidates in all the ridings. Can the liberals um, just call an election? Yes. Oh, okay. At any time, the governing party can go to the governor general, lieutenant governor, whatever, and say, dissolve parliament, please. And they will say, okay, and then there's an election. Okay. So it's never a good idea. You never do well when you do that. No. Well, I mean, they could also put forward a bill that no, but none of the other parties will be willing to support. And if they're smart, they'd make it a good enough bill that doesn't make it too obvious and then make the other parties call the election, you know? That's what they'd have to do. And I just don't, I just don't see the NDP being in any sort of position. To, they, can't, they, they may or may and not yet, have had their convention by then. Yeah. <laughs> But all their fundraising is saying, you know, election and they're they're nominating candidates. I'm getting a lot of, you know, Facebook things like um, sponsored advertisements on Facebook saying like this page where they've just nominated this person to run for the NDP and this Edmonton riding. The parties are preparing for an election, Hmm. but we'll see if it actually ends up happening. We're approaching the normal lifespan of a minority government. And, you know, if if. We get. I thought we were beyond. No, the average lifespan is, I think, around two years. Okay. You know, especially if we get most people vaccinated, which is the plan. Who knows if it'll happen? But most people vaccinated by the end of July, then I think they'd be willing to call an October an election, you know? Yeah, I think the rollout's going to hurt the Liberals' chance. I think they may rethink it after the way this is. uh, They had lots of COVID goodwill, but I, I think that's slowly getting. Pushed Maybe, at the door. The problem is for the problem for the well, not the problem. Sorry, the the good thing for the liberals is that even though they're not doing great, nobody's looking at the conservatives and thinking they'd do any better. You know, yeah, yeah that's the conservatives true. have consistently been yeah. at the floor of their support. They've yeah. been struggling to pull above their floor. So I think there's a lot of people who might not love the liberals, but would still vote for them over the conservatives currently. Right. Which, like, I get. <laughs> I would rather have Trudeau than O'Toole any day of the week. And then, lastly, going back, you know, again, some more Alberta politics, we've been pulled back 
into a harsher lockdown after some loosenings. We've gone back to like our stage one lockdown. I think Ontario is the same way because it's bad everywhere again. Yeah. And um, so we've gone back to stage one lockdown and 17 UCP MLAs, governing party MLAs, which is a quarter of the governing party's caucus, 17, have come out and wrote a letter, a public letter, an open letter, against the lockdown restrictions, saying that they think the government's direction is going in the wrong way, and they're, you know, against it, and and all these things, and are are basically just coming out and publicly saying that they're against their own government. Yeah, I think I think they've done I think they've done lockdown badly in general. I think they've made some mistakes that are as you become more and more familiar with lockdowns, unfortunately. I saw something on Facebook said only three more lockdowns till Christmas. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think, and, and from what I understand, a lot of the science shows this, they, they didn't need to, like, you can keep a lot of these shops open and just restrict capacity to 20%. And, and why not? And then that, because you're, you're leaving Costco and, and Walmart open. Now, this time they've restricted what Costco can sell, which is also dumb because now you have more people in the lesser area of the store and you're going in there anyway. What difference does it make if I pick up a pair of pants while I'm buying a steak? I'm already, like, I'm yeah. already in the store. They're, so they're doing it yeah. just to be fair to the closed store that they said couldn't be open. But who says clothes aren't essential? Yeah. Maybe they are, depending on the situation. So why not just let them open at 20% capacity, and and then that'll take some, some heat off of the, the stores that were open, like the Costco's and that. There won't be as many people in there because some people shop locally, and it'll yeah. spread out the people that are shopping. It just doesn't... Like, I think there's just better ways that they could have done it and, and, and still kept the economy moving, it, be it at a, at a snail's pace, but at least moving rather than trying this i know they want people to stay at home and you can still do that stay at home but you go out when you you know when you only need stuff but i, I just don't i don't know it, it especially in those first two where where all those big box stores were still able to sell everything you know what's why not why can't a closed store be open if its regular capacity is five and have a capacity of one yeah like what's the difference there's no difference yeah I don't think that's exactly what these UCP MLAs were saying because, you know, they're fairly far right. But uh, you make some good points. But anyway, I thought it was interesting because uh, it's just more evidence of the government here falling to pieces. Yeah, they're fractioning, eh? They're fractioning. The United Conservative Party is fractioning. <laughs> um, you know, Jason Kenney pulled yes. at the bottom of when it comes to, you know, the question, do you agree how your provincial government is handling covid Albertans, I think 27% say yes. Wow. That's um, more than I thought. <laughs> you know, they're trailing the NDP in polls. It, it's like, it's not good. Like, it is not looking good for the UCP. And so Jason Kenney reportedly, not publicly, but reportedly threatened those MLAs with a snap election if they didn't fall in line. Right. And I was like, please. Please do it, Jason. Yeah. Jason, please. <laughs> um, they, but, like, they, but they, they, they've seen the polls. They know he's not going to do it. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, it's, it is it is. Tight, I'll do a snap you know, but, election and we'll all be fired. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think it's interesting because it's a, you know, it's like a microcosm of the National Conservative Party where, you know, the if we did, if there wasn't as unified a party as the Liberal Party is in government right now, like if the Conservatives were nationally in government, I wonder if we'd be seeing the same fractures. Yeah, maybe. I imagine so. Well, there'd be more of them to disagree with, right? Like, there'd be more of them in there so that they'd be more of a, fraction, a faction that, that disagrees. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, the United Conservative Party has existed for, like, four years. It's already falling apart. Now they just the, call it the Conservative Party. Yeah. The Conservative Party of Canada has existed for seven, 18 years. Um, I, I think it probably has a lifespan. I think both parties probably have a lifespan. There's just... They're trying to have two different ideologies in a part in one party, and it's not going to happen. It's tough, that's for sure. But they have to either make it work or become irrelevant. Exactly, and I think you know making it work is like we've talked about it before on the sh- on the on the show, and it's you know the social issues or what everybody's passionate about, and that's why I don't think you're just going to make it work. Like at a certain point, people are going to be done with compromising. The only way it's going to work is if you push out the wing. That is you just let problem. in, yeah, exactly. And then they're just going to go form their new party again. And the thing is, it would already be easy if the Conservative Party right now pushed out their social conservative wings. I bet you they would just all go join Maxime Bernier's People Party, People's Party, probably. And that would become a more relevant party to the Conservatives' detriment. Yeah, probably. Anywho, that's what I have in political. closer to fine well i found that smashing of atoms and stuff thing i put some in closer to fine but somehow part of it i put in in political i don't know what happened i must you know when you have that like the finger keyboard thing the finger mouse thing and sometimes you hit it with your hand while you're typing and your cursor jumps i'm guessing that what happens but i basically summed it up pretty well without reading it you know it was it was in Chicago at the Fermi Lab in Chicago, discovered what they're calling a fifth force of nature. Uh, and, and it was muon. I had that part right, too. Electric, yeah. So, interesting stuff out of Chicago. Uh, still waiting for a secondary lab to sort of prove it and, and redo the, the experiment with the same results. Yeah. Moving on from that, the CDC stated that Lysol wipes were no more effective against COVID on surfaces than regular soap, and that the odds of getting COVID from a surface where it is are 1 in 10,000, which is about a year late, and I'm sure all the people that paid like 50 bucks for a bottle of Lysol are pissed, but, you know, thanks thanks for that. Could have used that information a year ago. but Dad, I can't tell you, I can't even begin to tell you all of the stupid rules that we have to follow while doing this show that make no sense. Oh, yeah. We can't, I can, on stage, I could not hand a prop to somebody. Right. But I can put it down and they can pick it up. Yeah, that is dumb. We don't, we're allowed to be maskless on stage. <laughs> it's like, how did you even negotiate that? How did, how did that rule come about? Uh, well, can we hand things to each other? Oh, oh absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, what about if I put it on stage and the other person picks it up? Hmm. Yeah, that should be fine. What? Like, who said, how did that conversation go? Right? Doesn't make any sense. And there are a lot of railings on set that we are all walking down and holding. <laughs> you know? We're allowed to be maskless on stage as long as we're six feet apart, but our costumes are never allowed to touch. Even right. when we're not wearing them. Like, when costumes are being stored, they cannot, uh, my costumes oh. cannot be stored anywhere where they're touching I somebody thought, else's I thought costume. you meant when you had them on. I'm like, well, if you're not. If you're six feet apart, how are the costumes yeah. touching? No, no, no. When they're being stored or on stage, like, um, because there are some costume pieces that we don't wear immediately. Well, they should read this CDC report. Yeah. The people who make your they're, rules. But here's the thing. We're not, our costumes are not, not allowed to touch each other, but the assistant stage manager who's in charge of the costumes, she touches touch all, all of our them. costumes. She presets them for us. Yeah, that's funny. Like, there are so many rules that are just so stupid. Yeah. Well, they put rules in to cover their butts. Yeah. Because if they say, well, if somebody en- if somebody ends up getting it out of the group there, then they'll be like, well, you didn't have enough rules. So the rules are butt covering. It's like we had lots of rules. They weren't allowed to pass anybody anything. They had to put it down on stage. Their costume was couldn't touch. They're, to, you know, yeah. we had lots of rules. You just say them fast enough. There's a whole bunch of irrelevant rules. <laughs> But you say them fast enough so nobody has time to clock what they are when you're, like, covering yourself. So they're just left with, oh, yeah, you did have a lot of rules. You did have a lot of rules. You did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) And now the end is near. All right, last but not least, uh, parting thoughts. Uh, You want to go first? Sure, I have, I have a few here. Um, I noticed that. That's why I said, why don't you go first? <laughs> I, uh, my first one is that I'm quite busy right now. We're almost at tech week for our show. We're moving into the theater on Monday. And so our rehearsal... If I promise not from... to touch any costumes, can I come and see a show? Nope. <laughs> okay. Our rehearsals are going to run from uh, 2 to 10.30. Ooh. Yeah, I don't understand actors. Why don't they just shift a little bit and you can be in the normal day like regular people? Well, in the business, you probably are. That is what it is. But you're working with a lot of students here who have other classes and other commitments and stuff. Oh, okay. Because it's not just your class. No. No. Okay. All right. Um, You know, like, especially with this show, right? The director's an MFA student. The lighting designer's an MFA student. The sound designer, like, everybody's a student. Somehow MFA sounds like a short form for something dirty. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, so I'm about to get crazy busy. And then, you know, we get into Tech Week, q to q and then performance. And this is so, uh, the, the Tinkerbell Princess Secret in the Wings. Yes. Okay. Which um, there will be a recording of, and you should be able to see. You might have to pay for it, though. Okay. Which is honestly, I would have had to pay I'm to not go. Upset about that. Sorry. I would have had to pay to go. Yeah, exactly. So that's good. I went today. Although if I pay for it, I expect a certain level of recording. I don't want to see yeah, any. I don't want to see any like ten second delay between the. Yeah, no. It's it's a it's a professional three camera recording. So there'll be different angles. It'll be edited together. Um, Okay. It'll be good. Anyway, I went to the dog park today with one of my roommates, Elizabeth, uh, and her big dog. And, you know, you walk around and they'd ever, and you talk to people and, and their dogs. And 
we got to talking to this one older man who um, started talking about the vaccines, and he started talking about AstraZeneca, which I don't know if you know, but they won't give to anybody under 55 because there's a blood chance clots. it could give you a potentially fatal blood clot. Yeah. Although there's been zero in Canada. Yes, but, you know, that's good. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> anyway, this guy was like, why is that? He's like, I'll tell you why. I figured it out. He was like, they're only giving it, they're giving it to the boomers, right? Because there's so many boomers and they're all, you know, getting up there and they're retiring. They're going into the pension plan and then there's not enough money in the pension plan to pay for all the boomers. So they're giving it to all those boomers so that we die and they don't have to pay out as much in pension. <laughs> and he was like, he had it figured out, man. That was the government conspiracy to ease up the Canada pension plan. What government was he blaming? Uh, the government. Oh, just everyone. All of them. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> Which was too bad. It was a very pleasant conversation up until that point. He was his like a very dog nice crazy as well? No, his dogs were so sweet and old. I love going to the dog park. You meet so many dogs. Yeah, that's where they are. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if anybody's wondering why they don't give it to people under 50, it's because they're not collecting pension yet. <laughs> <laughs> And then speaking of Elizabeth, um, I just wanted to mention, because it was so nice, she bought for Easter dinner because neither of us, you know, were going home or had family in the area or anything like that. So she she surprised me and she bought both of us, like, big takeout Easter dinners. Oh, that was a takeout that you sent me a picture of? Yeah. I thought somebody made that. No, no, it was a takeout. Oh, it looked good. Uh, Except it was. for it, it didn't have Denny's. any ham or turkey. It was from Denny's? Of course. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, I'll tell you this. It was really tasty, Dad. It was some pretty spot-on mashed potatoes. Well, if you can't make mashed... Mashed potatoes is something that's easy. It's almost easier the more you make. <laughs> yeah, fair. But it was, um, it was tasty, and it was very nice of her, so I, I wanted to mention that. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, I saw your decent and then, dinner, and it looked quite good. It was tasty. I, our uh, turkey was excellent, if I do say uh, so myself, being the one that cooked I, it. I believe you. And then last thing about Elizabeth, she got vaccinated. Uh, the way that you were planning on getting vaccinated? No. She qualified because she has asthma. Mm. So she has a chronic condition. And I found out that this her asthma also benefits me. Because <laughs> when you're filling out a bunch of wait list forms, it asks you a bunch of questions to see, like, you know, how high on the wait list put you would ever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then one of the questions, though, is... Do you live with somebody who has a chronic condition? And I was able to hit yes. <laughs> and I was like, thank God for Elizabeth's asthma. So do you um, bump up that bumps you up the list? Like, have you been doing what you said you were going to do and going to the pharmacies at like 10 to 12 and seeing if they have any shots we, left over? We've done a lot of calling them, but the Alberta government kind of figured out that people are starting to do this. And so they've regulated it more now and there are wait lists. So I've been signing up for all the wait lists. Oh, okay. And then I still call occasionally. But, I mean, it takes me, like, 45 minutes to an hour to call a bunch of pharmacies, so... Right. You have to start well before they know. Yeah, I don't enjoy doing it. <laughs> really, you should just focus on the one that, like, that shoppers that's right beside you. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that was nice. And I'm also just glad she's vaccinated. You know, the more people get vaccinated, the better. Absolutely. Um, Your Auntie Shell got it today. Oh, nice. Good, she's good. in a hot spot. That's, that's nice to know. Which, which What flavor did she get? Uh, I don't know what she said. It's in the... She put it in the family chat, right? 
I don't read the family chat. Uh, <laughs> let me see if she put what uh, I can't even ask now. It's it's one in the morning there. <laughs> no, she didn't say. Anyway, um, and the other thing is, I just I just want to mention I've been reading a lot more recently, almost to a level that I was in like elementary school and high school, which I haven't been for a while. But um, it's really nice. And it has been almost exclusively, and I say almost, and I do mean entirely, exclusively, <laughs> Star Wars books. And I'm so happy. They're so good. I haven't read a bad one yet. And I like reading. It feels nice to read. And I'm just like, I might just spend the rest of my life reading every Star Wars book there is. Because I need to know everything that's canon. Uh, I don't care about the non-canon stuff, but I need to know everything that's canon. Right. I just have to. Yeah. And then you can maybe make a, a movie, a, you know, yeah. pre or early or Knights of the Old Republic era or something. Yeah, well, that's sort of, you know, they're doing, um, they have a lot of books, or, or they don't have a lot of, but they've just, Disney sort of opened up, they're calling it the High Republic era, and it's supposed to be like the height of, you know, like when everything was going really well in the Republic. Must be boring and movies. Everything's fine yeah. here. Not movies. No fights, Not- no nothing, no. <laughs> Not movies, books. I just read the. I just read the, the sort of first big one they came out with. It's called uh, Light of the Jedi, and I also I had a similar reaction. I was like, so what is going to be like? So what? Like, yeah. <laughs> the the time where everything's really short book. No, yeah. but it was really good. I won't say what the, what happened or like how they made it very interesting. But it was a really good book, and it was really interesting to read because it's an era that. That has never been dealt with before in Star Wars because you know the movies, you know, take place of you know the movie time, and then they had Knights of the Old Republic, which was like ten thousand years before the the movies, and then they did a lot of just after the movie stuff before Disney bought it. But this is about two hundred and fifty years before the movies, right. which is not an era that's been touched. But what's neat is because it's only two fifty years, Yoda's kicking around. Right. There's a long time between nights and I mean there's there's still 10,000 years basically that's untouched. Yeah, so. exactly. A lot of lot of wiggle room to play in. A lot of wiggle room. <laughs> yeah, so that that's nice. And then um I was thinking I, I mean um you've talked about running for office before. Mm. Like being an MP, right? You have. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. This, this is like if there's going to be an election soon, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't have a party to run for. Pick pick one of the really small ones. That's going to be the easiest one to get nominated for anyway. But then what's the point? Well, you try to win. I think, I think, I not only want to run for office, I want my own party. Run as an independent. Can you just run as an independent? Yes. So you need like 5,000 signatures or something that'll get on the ballot, right? I don't know for an independent. I think... You might, like, when I was looking into that progressive Canadian party yeah. that we were talking about earlier, and by earlier I mean, like, two years ago, um, <laughs> uh, that you needed, like, 5,000 signatures or something from the community. But if you're just running as an independent, I don't know. I don't think so. Because they're, you know, they're independents. If you look at, like, the results, they get, like, 150 votes. So I don't know where they get 5,000 signatures, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I don't think so. But you can run as an independent. Yeah, but you won't get invited to the debates or anything as an independent or or a member of the small party. You might get invited to local debates. Like, like there are many local all-candidate debates 
in like small town halls and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, maybe. I'm maybe. just saying, what do you when you're not in Saskatoon when you're home, what are you doing? No, what but that's what but you got time. Yeah. You got time. When I'm at home, but when I'm not at home, I don't have time. Yeah, I know. Well that's why you start now. That's why you start now. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. You get elected you just need to get elected twice. You need to serve eight years and then you get a cushy, really cushy pension for the rest of your life. Yeah. So this is a MP in my area. Michael Chong. Is he not MPP? No, and Michael Chong is MP. Yeah, you're not beating him. Why not? You're not beating him. My area is <laughs> my area's PC. You're you're not like it's have you seen the results in our in our yeah. writing? It's not it's close. PC because nobody else has run a, a a good enough campaign, but the conservatives are struggling right now. Yeah, maybe. I, I I often think about it. It would be fun. At the very least, it would be fun. Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah. But I do I do think I'd rather have a party than just as an independent. But I guess well, if, a part, if, it's, if it's a party of one, there isn't much difference. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could look into... Um, um, I, I don't know. Like, the Greens... Yeah, that, I'd, I'd run for the Greens. They have a... They have a because the Greens are pretty uh, easygoing about certain about their things, right? Like you can have your own opinions. Yeah, more than most parties. Yeah, I think. I mean, first of all, if you're going to run for any party, you have to become a member of that party and pay some membership dues. Oh, forget that. I'm running as an uh, independent. I'm not paying any party any money. Which is, I think, like five dollars a month. Sixty bucks. Um, what are they doing with my sixty bucks? <laughs> investing it so that you can run but uh you know the greens came in third in wellington halton hills in the last election <laughs> of the three parties that ran <laughs> of the, like four okay all right anyway you should look into it at the very least like, yeah, I, will. I will i will because i think i think this this is the time now, you know, now with the popularity of the podcast i'm a shoe in yeah exactly <laughs> I'm just trying to pull up 338 to see what the current polling in, in, in the riding is. But, you know, you're, you and Mom, you know, you say you're also talking about moving. You might move out of the riding. This is true. Into a riding we're where you might have We're trying to stay chance. in Georgetown, though. I know, but, you know, it does happen. You know, if you end up in Guelph. Well, we, won't end up, we will not end up in Guelph. Why not? Because it's like an extra half hour for your mom's ride to work, which is already 45 minutes. Oh, Okay. Well, it's almost an extra 40 minutes to your mom's ride to work, which is already 45 minutes. Yeah, so the Greens are polling in third place right now in Wellington Halton Hills. Oh, yeah? Uh, what percent? 12.5. And? Plus or minus 4.3. And the PCs? 45.7. It's neck and neck. <laughs> but, you, you know, you've always, you have said to me, that you think the reason that some of these incumbents are like you know not beatable is because other candidates don't actually just put in they just don't put in the effort they don't try to win in yeah, the safe writings. That is true. I, I believe that. I think that's true. So I, I think you. But it's also it, there's also the other problem is I mean when you really when you're really looking at it a lot of people just vote the same way their parents voted without thinking about it they go in they vote for PC who's ever running and then they go back home and yeah well I think and that's why the importance the importance of running a good campaign why you should you know door knock and 
Yeah, you need you need you need a grassroots campaign, you know, something like like Obama had. Yeah. And that's why you need to start now. You do need to start uh, probably last year. <laughs> well, you think if you start now, you know, we don't know when the camp, you know, we don't know when there's going to be an election. It could be next month, which is, you know, far too time. It could be next year. Yeah. You know, it, true, it, true. It, you have up to two years, really. So, and then if it doesn't work, you know, you can come you home. Can when you come home, you can be my campaign manager. Okay. I have experience on campaigns. I know. More than me. Um, <laughs> you know, if you, um, I've completely lost my train of thought. I have no idea what I was going to say. Win? It's, no, that was what I was going to say, but you know, you, you should win. Oh, I think it's gone. Damn it. Uh, we were talking about running. I don't know. The conservatives aren't popular right now. So, yeah, it's true. you know, it's true. Um, if anybody's going to take them down, now's the time. But yeah, they're, exactly. They're, and they're pretty solid in my, in my area. The nice thing that you can, the nice argument you can start to make, especially with the people who've been in for a while, like Michael Chong, who's been in since like 2003, is that, you know, that kind of grassroots message, like, when was the last time you've really, you know, heard from Michael Chong? What was the last thing he did specifically for our writing? You know, like, you can start to make those kind of arguments. Mm-hmm. As long as you know that, that it isn't recent. Yes, yes. But I, it's likely. I mean, and here's the thing that's not, I don't mean that as like a pot shot at conservatives, that is across party lines. You know, especially once they start moving up the ranks in their parties where he's like a foreign affairs critic and everything like that, which are all necessary parts. I'm not saying people shouldn't do that, but they do become easier to attack on that angle when they become more national figures. But they also, I think when you have that role, it makes it even harder to beat because people like to have they feel like they have more of a say for their writing when they're when their guy is a, a minister of some sort. Yeah, to a degree. Oh, you know, what I was going to say is if you run, if you start to build up a base, you know, and you run and you lose, there's a provincial election that comes up. It's the same boundary. And, um, you know, run so you for that. For the, yeah, exactly. And it's still PC. It's uh, Ted Arnott. But uh, you could really make that um, he doesn't actually represent the writing argument for him because he is the current speaker of the house and speakers of the house don't get to go to committees they don't get to vote they literally just run things so basically nobody's representing wellington holland hills right now yeah no that's that's worth looking into you should it would be cool even if you just ran once it would be a fun thing to say that you did yeah yeah my uncle and my cousin did it yeah so why not why not I have to run for NDP to keep up the tradition, though. <laughs> well, then you're definitely loose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's my long parting thoughts. Um, All right. Well, i i was I was driving the other day and saw all the flags at half mast. I'm assuming for Prince Philip. Yeah. And it made me think, what? Why? Why do we do that? Uh, okay, it's a sign of respect, right? So, uh-huh. so why? Who decides when you're important enough to get that sign of respect? Uh, I mean, it depends. You know, if I think at this time it was the government of Canada ordered all flags at half mast, but also like it can happen very locally like you know often if a firefighter dies a local firefighter 
the fire chief will put the flag at outside the station at half mast, you know, and that's not everywhere, but you know, it's local to there. If a teacher dies, you know, school, the school that they worked at will often put their flag at half mast and it's, you know, it's just that place. But, um, the, I don't think the question is who deserves, who decides who deserves flags at half mast. It's who does, who decides how many flags get put at half mast. Right. Well, either way, like why, why do some people warrant it and some people don't because they work at a place that has a flag? Yes. <laughs> that's that's the, that is the bar. Okay, good to know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, but there's a lot of things like that. Where if you really start digging into it and asking why, you're not going to get any answers. Yeah, just yeah. like because. Yeah. Why was Prince Philip a prince? Because he can't be king. But why was he royalty? Why is there royalty? Oh, a hundred percent. Like because. Yeah, exactly. Like. That's the, these are the questions, you know, <laughs> like all these like traditional things that there's no reason for. Uh, and then uh, I made, I made, this is a little bit on the lighter side. I made some burgers last night for Saturday night. Greg came over, my nephew, who used to work at uh, Toyota and and now we have, we have a Toyota. And so, so he's changed the brakes on the car. Which was great, mm-hmm. which was great, because it was going to be really expensive at Toyota. So he saved us some money. So then, it, and then of course it was Saturday, so we had our dinner with with your auntie Shell and Hayden was there. So I made hamburgers. It was a really nice day. So thought it'd be good to barbecue. And when I'm making, you know, I, I always make I make them from scratch. So I, and I was throwing some spices and whatever in, and I always put a little bit of barbecue sauce in. And I grabbed one that was in the fridge, and I didn't. I totally I totally forgot that it was a little spicy like i i bought it for chicken wings it was called honey garlic but it was called like hot-headed honey garlic or something and i i just completely flaked and i totally forgot like because people ate it for when we had them over for wings a little while ago and they're like this one's a little spicy i didn't have it because i don't i'm not a big honey garlic guy but you know I'm, I'm just trying to use up some condiments in the fridge and the burger so i put them in and and they uh the they were eating them, and they're like, this is, this is really spicy. This is very spicy burgers. Then, of course, that brought up the whole taco. Were you there for taco night? No, but I've heard this story multiple times. Yeah, yeah, where I put a bit too much cayenne pepper in the taco meat. That was years ago, and that still gets brought up. So, anyway, bottom line, if you're not sweating at the end of your dinner, it probably wasn't spicy enough. So, everybody <laughs> ate it. It wasn't it wasn't unedible. It was just a little, it did have a bit of a kick, though, and it, I felt yeah. bad. Uh, flew into Saskatoon today, and and one thing I noticed because uh, you know I, I've I've used to go to India quite a bit, so I have quite a few points, and I'm able to board the airplane first, and and I'm sitting up there, and lots of people pass me, and and I I think it feels like about one in five now smell like pot when they pass me, <laughs> like people are flying high when they're flying in the on, on a plane, <laughs> they're high. There are two senses, two cents high. They're physically high and, and mentally high. There's like, I know it's legal, but uh, alcohol has been legal. Not everybody gets hammered before they go flying. Like, can we? I've been on a plane. I would say, you know, not one in five passengers, but I would say about every third plane I get on has at least one drunk person on it. Yeah, that's a lot less. 
It felt like there was a lot of people. Maybe they were just all together and they came on at different times and they were just all smoking <laughs> together. I don't know. But you shouldn't do that with COVID. You probably shouldn't be uh, passing the duchy from the right-hand side when you yeah. have the, with the COVID times going on. Everybody's got to <laughs> roll their own. You know, you know what I was thinking? Um, I was walking home the other day and I was, I was looking at the – well, there was on the ground um, a bunch of, like, edible packages. Right. And they have the big, like, THC CBD warning. Like, warning, this product contains CBD and THC, which can, you know, lead to adverse effects and whatever. And I was thinking, yeah. That's not a warning. That's, that's an advertisement. That's <laughs> Like, there's people buying edibles. Like, I'd like, oh, this has THC in it? No, never mind then. That's not a warning. <laughs> that, is, that is an ad. Bill Co. Yeah. That's not... That's not the same as the cigarette warnings. It's not the same thing. Yeah, no, it's not saying like smoking can cause cancer. It's like this has THC, and you're like, yes, I know. This that is will why f here. you up. Yep. Yeah, that's like it's like putting you know on a beer warning contains alcohol. I think that's on there. <laughs> Probably. That is ridiculous. That that reminds me of of another thing that I saw on the plane, and I took a picture of it. Because, uh, not that this is a video uh, podcast, but just so I can get it right. So, it's a it's a chloride wipe, right? Loris chloride wipe. And then, at the bottom of the package, it says, for external use only, in both English and French. And it's like, what? Well, who? What? Do you, yeah. do you need that? Is somebody using this internally? And how? <laughs> like they're wiping it at the inside of their mouth with it or something? What What do you mean for external use only? What it's are you so, talking there's about? There's so many small things. You know, it comes back to like, you know, the caution hot on coffee cups. Yeah, like, but that's because they got sued. I know. It's that's all lawsuits. Like, they're covering their butts. Everybody's, you have to pander to idiots. <laughs> yes, you do. That's just it. You do. Because if it has the warning, somebody did use it internally. No, you're not supposed to. Well, it didn't say. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, about my bad. <laughs> Idiocy should not be a defense in court. No, like, if it, but it if, is. It totally is. If, yeah, it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. If it's obvious, like you did it because you were stupid, that should not be your defense. And 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 criminally, it's not. Ignorance of the law is not a defense. But just ignorance is. Yeah. In like lawsuits and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so this normally it's Toronto, Saskatoon direct. That this time I came through Regina, and it was a bit longer layover than I normally have in Regina when I go back to Toronto. So I was I logged on to the uh, Wi-Fi at the Regina airport, and it was fast. <laughs> 60, 60 megabytes per second. <laughs> Six zero. It was fat, like it was fat. I I finished. I did most of the the last last week's episode editing on the flight to Regina. I didn't quite get it done. I finished it in the airport, and on that Wi-Fi, uploaded it to the interweb, and uh, and it was the fastest one I'd ever uploaded because I was on <laughs> this super fast Wi-Fi. Mike. You're saying 60 megabytes per second is like the fastest airport or just like one of the fastest in general? Oh, oh no, you can get way faster, but it's it's 60s way faster than what I get at my house. 
Then when we get it home, we were like 12. My, yeah, okay, great. Because my internet here right now is 165 megabytes per second. Yeah, yeah, you can get much faster. And what's crazy is our upload right now is faster than our download. That is bizarre. Your, fa- your upload's faster than 165? 177. That's insane. No wonder this call's been so good. After It was a little dodgy in the beginning, but now it's good. Yeah, I just did. I'm going to do it again. I'm just doing, like, the speed test app. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the wilds. And then, well, not quite finally. I just added one more, but we had a... An interesting Friday. I was taking Madeline to apply for a job at the Apple factory, so but we also had a couple other things to do on the way. So we piled into the the uh, the family truckster, the expedition. <laughs> it's been called the Millennium Falcon. Your mother calls it Farmstrong. <laughs> but anyway, the we were in the expedition, and it's been making a bit of a squealing sound recently. But I, you know, it's old. I, I make a squealing sound in the morning too. But, uh, but you know, so we're driving it, and I pull in. The first thing I'd do was drop off the water test because we have a well, so I need to do water tests every once in a while to make sure we're not drinking poison. Yeah. So I dropped it off, and I came back into the car. I started driving, and all of a sudden, power steering was gone. Like, just completely gone. Like, I had to re- really pull on the steering wheel to get the car to turn. And Mad's like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, I'm going to take it. Well, first, I thought I'm going to go home. So then I, I got out of the, the town hall, and I'm like, no, you know what? I'm just going to drive it to Turning Wrench, the, the mechanic. And uh, we started driving down Main Street, and then the, the warning light comes on for the battery, and then the engine starts overheating. So we drove about five, five minutes, pulled over, turned it off for like 15 minutes so it cooled down, turned on again, drove for another five, turned off for 15 Drove for another five, got to the got to the dealership and and dropped it off there. But um, it turns out a, a, the belt, the main belt, had broken, and it needs a belt and a tensioner, so it's no big deal. But Madeline said, and that is why I will never drive the truck. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's a freak thing. A belt can break on any car. She's like, no. Dylan got stuck in that car too. I'm like, yeah, but that was Dylan's fault. All he had to do was switch it to four wheel, and it would not have been stuck. she's like nope i'm never driving that then we started talking about trucks buying a truck and she's like you should get that truck i'll drive that truck i'm like why would you drive that truck she's like oh that truck won't break down she just doesn't want to drive the expedition because she's worried about it breaking down on her i would be very happy if i drove suvs and trucks for my whole life i know that's not gonna happen but that i wouldn't be very happy if i did i much prefer driving them because you're higher and you can see more in front of you. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like I'll win more crashes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in a truck, not an SUV. The SUVs aren't that much bigger than cars now. But Greg switched his car with his friend's truck for a week. His friend, I think, needed the car. And then I had to take it to go get mom. And it's like, it's a big truck. It's a Ram 1500, but it's jacked up and it's got big tires. And. It was pretty crazy how big it was. You can see over everybody because it's jacked up. Like even other trucks, you can see over because it's it's yeah. really high. I felt a little silly driving it actually, but yeah, you know. they well, you probably looked pretty silly. They do look silly. Have you seen the Jeep Rubicons? Yeah, those look stupid. Yeah, 
Those are some of the stupidest looking cards I've ever seen. Yeah. And I feel like they're popping up all over here. And I don't know if they're new and they're like becoming trendy. I think they've. Or if it's because I'm in Alberta. They're restyled, I think, this year. So they're they're new. This the thing. I don't think they're a new car, but I think they've redesigned them this year. Well, they're horrible, and I hate them, and I want them to go away. Anyway, they might be the, my the ugliest cars. The ugliest car that's ever been made that you can still see out and about, out and about really is the Pontiac Aztec. Oh well, the Nissan Cube. Nissan Nissan Cube is second. Kia Soul. No, you know what? Kia Soul used to be my third. Now it's the Jeep Rubicon and then the Kia Soul. The Nissan Cube is nicer than the Pontiac Aztec. Have you seen the front of an Aztec? It yeah. looks like it had a Bosch facelift. Yeah, yeah. It's horrendous. And then it has it's like close. this weird, like, boxy, I, I really don't like trunk. the Cube. The other cars that I hate, just in general, because I also hate driving behind them, are those really tall Mercedes. They're like fully blacked out, so you can't see around them at all. You know what I mean? I don't know what to talk about. Oh, they're awful. And finally, as I mentioned, I flew into to Saskatoon today. Now, yesterday, it was shorts and t-shirt weather in Ontario. And and I, I it's me. I have to do a better job of packing for the place I'm going rather than the place I'm leaving. Because I did not bring a coat. And I got here and it was a snowstorm. Yep. It's like, here yesterday. so cold and snow and blowing and I'm like I don't even have a coat I have a sweater <laughs> like a thin sweater that's it but you know it's I don't know about Saskatchewan but it is supposed to get to 15 here by the end of the week like a pretty steady progression yeah so it might it's still negative yeah. at night but up to up to pretty high temperatures during the day yeah same here welcome to the prairies <laughs> <sighs> anyway that was episode 50. So thank you for listening, and we will talk at you again next week. And in the end.